She loves bringing at nighttime, uh, at bedtime, she'll bring in mouse or monkey, and which are two of her toys. And, and but when she brings mouse or monkey in, she'll actually do a little uh, horse meow, you know, that she does. And uh, she's letting us know that she's brought mouse or monkey in. And of course we acknowledge her for bringing it in. And, and then it's playtime, we play for a little while before bedtime. Aloha, my beautiful Abundance in Action podcast listeners and viewers. My name, Crystal Ralakshmi Ditton, coming to you from beautiful and today a little bit cloudy Texas. I call myself an amazing relationship coach and wellness coach, and I help people to really start to tap into their own abundance treasure box inside. And once they do it, they can also start to live their dreams on their terms. And today's podcast guest is very, very special, very dear to my heart, my life, my everything. And welcome back, my beautiful, amazing, sexy, smart uh, husband, Michael Ditton. Well, aloha, and thank you very much for that warm welcome. And uh, I'm glad and honored to be here and be part of this. Of course, uh, I have the same mentality you do when it comes to abundance and action and abundance in life and everything we do. So I'm looking forward to um, seeing where this flows to. Yeah. And I was actually going back in history to see how many episodes we actually have done together uh, or you have been featured here. And we had episode one, of course, where we were introducing the whole concept of abundance in action, which actually is going to be um, now this July will be two years since that mm. actually happened. So nice. time to celebrate. <laughs> Celebrate yeah. it is. Yeah. And then second one was use your dreams as a lifeline where we could hear a little bit more of your life story and uh, some amazing, crazy stories, how you came through very, very deep uh, difficulties in life. Then episode 12, we actually shared our Christmas miracle story, how we met and how that was um, in Mexico. And then we had episode 33, which you probably even don't remember because I didn't, uh, which was when <laughs> when we were in Miami and uh, we kind of winged it like, OK, let's do something. And, uh, you know, light was terrible. Sound was terrible. Everything was terrible. But the message and we ourselves, we were having so much fun. So uh, so, yeah. And now I was thinking back, you know, before we moved to Texas, um, we basically, we did like weekly lives on Facebook. And then once we got here, we changed a little bit of our direction and we get into all of these things, what has happened since then. But um, it's long overdue to be, um, you know, um, on at the same time so that we can share what has happened. And I think it's really cool, a little update. And um, I would actually like to start with one really uh, special uh, new beginning we have had in our lives. So wherever we have been moving with Michael, what has happened? Every place we go, some kinds of um, cats will find us. So um, whether they have been like, you know, doing their thing and, you know, someone else around has been feeding them or whatever, there are always some kind of, um, you know, one or two cats, usually more than one, <laughs> who are just hanging around. And when we actually moved uh, to Mexico together, 
we were not there very long together for, um, I mean, we were on and off, but in the end part, we were like five months or something. And um, then you talk, took off to Hawaii and then um, I was wrapping everything up with the Mexico thing. And we had uh, one uh, cat there. And um, can you tell us what happened to that cat? Yeah, well, that was Gadita, a little cat. And she was little. She was a little tiny thing, kind of like our little patches that we have now who's about ready to give birth. Um, Gadita uh, was in the same situation. She was a little teeny thing. She was about ready to uh, give birth. And uh, she she was friendly, but I don't think she belonged to anybody. And so she, you know, she visited us and we kind of looked after her and let her know that we were good people and, and we were there for her and everything else. And, and we knew she was getting ready. And one day she just disappeared and she was actually gone for a couple, three days. And I was a little bit worried about her. And then, um, and then I don't remember how long afterwards it was, but I, I still remember the day where she, she came from across the street in the bushes somewhere and she had in her mouth uh, one of her little kitties and one of her kittens. And she brought it over and she put it pretty much on our doorstep. And then she went back across the street and she got the second one and she brought it over and she put it on our doorstep. And from that day forward, she raised those two little kittens right there on our doorstep. And of course I gave them a very safe, comfortable home because we had dogs in the area and everything else. And, um, and we raised, uh, we helped her raise those two little kittens to the age that, they were able to be, um, uh, uh, we were able to find a new home for them. And then, of course, we, you know, took care of her and we went down, we had her fixed so that she wouldn't have any more kittens because, you know, she didn't belong to anybody and we just didn't want little babies uh, keep popping up. And, and uh, so, yeah, see, she, found, uh, she found us, she knew we were safe and, and she brought them over to raise them there. Yeah, that's really amazing. So, and um, when we were in Hawaii, we had also on the back um, area of our house, we had some kitties also like going back and forth, but um, no, not that close like connection. I think they also belong to some people. So they kind of mind their own business. But now once we moved to Texas, what happened here? Uh, late, late last year, I don't know, October-ish. Um, there'd been October, a, a November. Yeah. yeah, there'd been there'd been a cat, you know, that was around and obviously homeless and and living in, um, you know, part of, uh, you know, part of a, an area that wasn't uh, habited by anybody or anything. And and of course, um, though that was changing and, you know, we got to showing her love and affection and she got, uh, you know, kind of used to us. And, and then uh, as the weather started changing, we invited her in one night and. The next morning I got up and let her out and she took off and she went to potty and where she was at, I could still see her. And I asked her if she wanted to come back in. And when she was done pottying, she ran right back into the house again. And, um, you know, so we, you know, we got a litter box, uh, after that day. And then uh, we started inviting her in and she started using the litter box right away. And, and, um, before we knew it, uh, she was pretty comfy with us. We were pretty comfy with her and we took her to the doctor and made sure she had all of our shots and everything. And, we didn't know whether she'd been fixed or not. And we didn't, you know, it was, it was that time um, that cats were in heat and we just wanted to make sure that we didn't have any babies. So we took her in and, and got her fixed to make sure that, you know, there was no unexpected babies. And, 
And since then, we've adopted her, and she has not only moved into our house, but into our hearts, and she's uh, she's a part of the Ditton family now. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe we uh, can now have a little moment to feature our amazing <laughs> cat, um, who is called Missy, so you can go and get her. So who would who do we have here? Yeah, this is aloha, Missy. Missy. Yeah, aloha, yeah. Missy. Yeah. So basically, Missy actually, um, in a way, she adopted us. Yeah, she uh, she fell in love with us. We fell in love with her. She knew again. She knew she had a nice, loving family, and and she was comfortable. And and um, you know, it's it's a two way street. Um, we love her. She loves us. Yeah. So people who are listening to the podcast, you need to really check out um, the video version too, because then you can see Missy as well. So can you um, tell us a little bit more about Missy? Like, what does she like, and what her her like? You know, different things she does, and um, every cat is like a different character, and she has quite a character. <laughs> Yeah, she's got her own personality. And funny enough, she actually, when I whistle um, like a dog to a dog, she comes running because she she gets used, she knows my whistle. So yeah, what, what's your whistle like? Can we hear it? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, she knows that whistle. Yeah. So I'm not going to do it anymore because it's kind of loud in her ears. Yeah. Oh, and there's the tongue sticking out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what else does she like? Um, she we have a rope that she likes to play with. She like she loves bringing at nighttime uh, at bedtime. She'll bring in mouse or monkey and which are two of her toys. And, and she can't really meow. She's really uh, got a horse meow. So we're guessing that she had some kind of trauma when she was younger. And but when she brings mouse or monkey in. She'll actually do a little uh, horse meow, you know, that she does. And uh, she's letting us know that she's brought mouse or monkey in. And, of course, we acknowledge her for bringing it in. And, and then it's playtime. We play for a little while before bedtime. Okay. Yeah, so she's um, she, she sometimes acts like a dog, sometimes um, acts like a cat. And she uh, has, you know, that, that feline personality most of the time, especially a, a female feline. So... You know, sometimes she is very responsive. Sometimes she lets us know who is boss. <laughs> yeah. And then she also has a weird, like, uh, favorite spot to be on your shoulder, kind of. Yeah, she really likes, uh, you know, when she when she's in the mood and feeling lovey, uh, especially when I'm sitting at the desk and that, uh, she'll jump on my lap and then she'll crawl right up into my shoulder. And, and that's a very comfortable spot for her. that or the couch, is, which is where she's right back at now. Mm-hmm. She yeah. loves sitting on my shoulder and looking over my shoulder. So where did that cat love um, come? Is it just for cats or is that like that you are just a, a, an animal lover? I love animals in general. Um, cats, uh, I've always loved. I've, I've always had with the exception of when I went sailing. You know, I didn't have any dogs or cats. I've always had dogs or cats. And, um, you know, that, that love is the same for pretty much any animal. Um, you know, my Casey dog, uh, before I got, got ready to take off and go sailing, he was probably 14, 15 years old when he passed away, it broke my heart because he was my best friend. He was a, he was a little runt of the litter. Um, 
he was basically, he was a little fur ball that I could keep in the, the palm of my hand when I first got him. And you, all you could see was two little eyes in the fur. And um, he was super smart, super, super loving, just a very, very, very good, good boy. And um, we had him for a long time and, and uh, truly, truly, truly miss him. Um, but we raised, you know, Newfoundlands when we were a kid. I've always had cats uh, throughout my life. Um, before we took off sailing, uh, I had a cat. Her name was Sniffles, and, and she was also a tabby, kind of like Missy. And um, in fact, I almost called Missy uh, Sniffles all the time. But I had her, I think, for 21 or 22 years, which is really long for a cat when she finally passed away. So, and uh, when she did pass away, she had a favorite spot in the garden where she'd go out and she'd sit and just bake in the sun. And she loved soaking up that sunshine. And, and, um, and we knew that. So that's where she laid to rest. So uh, we buried her there. Yeah, for me, that has been a, an amazing experience as a kid. Uh, we wanted to do uh, one time to take a cat and we were not allowed. And our grandmother basically forced us to um, take the cat to the forest or somewhere, like kind of um, give it away to the nature's hands. And it really broke my heart because for me also, like I, I love animals, um, maybe a little differently than you. But I mean, when I met you and I saw like how much care and love there was and like how you just like, I mean, even with the Mexico cats, you didn't need to do those, but you basically potty trained the little kitties and, you know, they got all prepared um, to be handed over to a new owner and um, the love and care you have for animals as well, of course, humans. It's just like, it's like no other man I have ever met in my life. It's just like, I just so admire that about you. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know any other way. Yeah, so, yeah, so fingers crossed about um, patches to give birth and um, we hope everything goes well and we'll be able to find homes for these little uh, kitties who are coming and then probably the same will we'll help to fix her so that yeah. that wouldn't be an issue in the future. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. she's and and she's she's not an indoor kitty, she's an outdoor kitty, but we have opened up the a little area for her uh, and gotten her used to it over the last few days. So she can come and go as she pleases. And I've set up a little bit in there. So, um, you know, I don't know where she's going to give birth to these, these kittens. It could be out in the woods or it could be inside here. So, um, but when, when she does, um, I mean, she's, she's young herself. I can only imagine she's probably between six and 12 months, uh, but just a little teeny cutie. And, and she's also really teeny. Uh, so she probably only give birth to a you know one or two kittens. I'm sure she's. I don't think she'll do a full litter, and uh, we'll we'll take care of them. Uh, we'll give them the love and support they need to get off on the right step, and then we'll find homes for them and we'll get her fixed so that she doesn't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. So in yeah, for all the kitties out there, and in the name of all the kitties out there, um, we are very grateful that there is a man like Michael who is taking care of kitties, like those kitties. Yeah. yeah. yeah thank you. Yeah I, yeah. I enjoy it. Yeah. So now let's go back in time. Um, last year, in the beginning of January, we got this crazy idea 
to um, basically as we are we're starting to look into your new real estate project and to basically maybe even like come and move here. But even before that happened, um, we were actually in Catalina Island and having our um, really amazing celebration. We were celebrating, I think, my birthday, your birthday, our anniversary, uh, all of those things together because it was like a deep COVID time and so on. So we were there. And then I remember you had this um, amazing call with um, a man called uh, Mike Wolf. And we met him actually at Brendan Burchard's event. And he just um, stood out because he always wore these like beautiful, amazing uh, shirts. So we approached him and started to ask. I asked, of course, about the shirts. And then you started to talk and came out that he is into real estate. And because you are that as well, there was an instant connection. And he basically has been volunteering for Brendan for many, many years. And he is one of the you know, wealthiest Canadians probably out there. And we became good friends. He even has been also to our podcast. So you can find that and enjoy and a dear friend. And then uh, while we were there, he was actually offering you to jump into his mastermind. And let's talk a little bit about that because that actually started to activate and create a momentum which has taken you today to like levels you wouldn't even like imagine so why is it important to enroll into masterminds like those and uh, what was that like decision moment for you and do you regret that you did it or are you proud that you did it um, can you say some words about that Sure. And, you know, just just kind of um, real estate's not something new to me. I, I've been practicing for over 23, 24 years, uh, but it's still important to stay in, in touch with what's going on. And of course, I'd taken a pretty extended break with that 12 year vacation, sailing trip and everything else. And coming back to Southern California, we wanted to get back into real estate again. And um, this opportunity came up with Mike. Originally, it started off with, as um, another opportunity, but with COVID, that that had changed. And so this this program became available after COVID started, uh, which was pretty much all remote versus uh, you know uh, the other one would have we would have met in Houston. And I, I, I'm very very grateful for it um, because not only not only did it help get me familiar with what's going on in today's real estate uh, world, but it, it, I, I connected with a group of uh, heart-centered people, Mike and everybody within that group, uh, the other coaches, leaders, and teachers that are in that group. In fact, uh, one of them has become, a, a, well, several of them become dear friends, and one of them has become a business partner. Um, uh, so, you know, the the things that have transpired since that day have truly, I guess you can say, expedited, compressed, um, you know, springboard, whatever, however you want to say it, into where we are today. And not to say that I couldn't have got there, but I certainly wouldn't have got there with the knowledge that I have now, or probably as quick as I uh, as we have gotten here, because that's only a year and a half ago that. I got back into real estate after taking a pretty extensive break. So 
it truly was a huge benefit to us to get back involved in uh, real estate in a group that teaches, trains, supports uh, a group of like-minded people, a group of heart-centered people. Um, and and I, I jumped in with both feet and I'm very, very uh, happy that we, we did do that. Yeah. And also that next year, like basic last year's uh, January, we were both together in um, a spiritual roundtable with another lady. And an impulse came from there that, you know, uh, look into like, you know, real estate uh, investor coaching and stuff. And then you dove deeper into that. And that's basically also where this new connection with uh, Mike Fritz um, appeared. And then uh, from there, can you also tell us how this project here in Texas came about? Because People who don't know how those things actually go or, I mean, the situation and market right now is pretty challenging to find, you know, those good deals and so on. Um, can you share a little bit of that background story? Yeah. You know, when when Mike Fritz came into the picture, uh, Mike was a coach sharing a 10-week program within Mike Wolf's program. And it was based on multifamily. And I, I love multifamily. That's how I got started in 1997. I got started as an investor and then became a licensed agent and, and learned how to do things and taught other people from there. And so this, this, uh, re, this gathering that you were talking about where um, it was suggested I get back into real estate investing, my mind at that time, I had rehung my license as an agent with an outfit in San Diego. And as much as I love real estate, my heart really wasn't into getting back into the residential or retail side of it, um, even though I was dealing with some great, great people and great companies and everything. And my mind was not even open to going investor first instead of um, you know retail or residential first, because I was thinking I needed to do that so I could you know, build up some, you know, cash and get into uh, real estate investing again, knowing that I could do it without, you know, a bunch of money because that's how I did it before. I just did it differently before. And I didn't know the way I know to now until I met these guys. And they educated me on how we can, you know, work with uh, other investors who have businesses that they exceed at and they want to continue to do what they do best, but they love real estate and they love the return that real estate offers. And they look for people like me to help them with their real estate investment needs. So and that's that's basically what I learned through Mike Wolf and, and Mike Fritz and, and uh, Carolyn Gallardo and, and you know, uh, all these other great individuals that I've started working with. So um get you know fast forwarding into how we ended up with this in that 10 week program with Mike Fritz uh within Mike Wolf's program the challenge was to uh underwrite as many deals as we could and that just means finding deals uh analyzing them seeing whether they're worth pursuing or if it's something that you should pass on and i was just i was an analyzing fool i mean it, it was a blast i was having fun i was doing i can't count how many of them per week i was doing and within that first month i actually wrote an offer and came under contract uh, with a property that i thought we were going to secure and it turns out that we ended up in second place not first place on that deal 
And the broker that I dealt with, uh, who was represented as selling on that, had mentioned something when we came in the second place that uh, that the people that were awarded it kind of came out of nowhere. And when they came out of nowhere, they didn't know who they were. They didn't know whether they'd be able to perform or anything else. And he didn't really elaborate, but the you know the way he said it, you know, set off a little trigger for me to you know reach back out in a couple of weeks and just make sure everything's going good because we really wanted that property. And I did that. I checked back in a couple of weeks and, and he said, no, it turns out they're able to perform and, and we're moving forward. But I started a relationship with that broker. And from that time forward, from basically October until uh, March, when we uh, we put an offer in on our 98 unit, um, I'd been in touch with him repeatedly about other deals that he had or his company had. And um, he he learned what it was that I was looking for. He knew that I was a go-getter. And when an opportunity came up that was off market, he brought it to our attention before it hit the market. And it was a great deal. So we moved forward on it. So uh, that's kind of how we got from you know October to March and ended up in, in our um, that complex that we acquired um, in Southeast Texas. So can you also now elaborate, um, how did the idea come to actually move to Texas? Because we were in San Diego and we actually moved from Hawaii, where we had lived uh, for a couple of years. We moved to San Diego, first of all, to be on the mainland, to be like closer to everything, to have a little better logistics, because yeah, it, we were so many months away from Hawaii that it was like kind of uh, getting a little bit ridiculous already. And then your dad was in a very like, um, uh, yeah, uh, critical condition. So we wanted to be closer. He at the time was in Palm Springs. So uh, we did that move. And then um, we had been there over a year. And um, can you now also share how that decision came and why did we end up um, in Texas for a while? <laughs> yeah, well, we were. We were spending more time away from Hawaii than we were there. I, we love Hawaii and we, we can't look for, you know, can't we look forward to the, the time we can go back. If we were retired, it'd be one thing, but it just, we kept getting pulled away from Hawaii for, for whatever reason. And the last one was a decision to be closer on mainland so we can do the things that we were doing, be closer to family. And of course, my father was ill. And unfortunately, before we even made it to our new place in San Diego, he passed away. Um, so really, when we got there, the only thing that was keeping us there was family. And, um, you know, we got to visit family and everything else. And we loved being where we we're at. You know, we we're 200 steps to the beach and everything else. But it, it was, you know, it wasn't the spot. And we started talking about, you know, possibilities of some other place. And, you know, those possibilities have evolved. And we're talking about Florida, you know, Florida's next. And, and that's going to be a great spot for us to be the majority of the year. But we both want a little place in nature, too. So our, our plan and goals and everything are evolving from there. But when the opportunity came up for Texas, it wasn't that we had to move to Texas. It was uh, it was just a good idea to move to Texas because the 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 property that we purchased had a major renovation that was required. It was part of the the reason we we're we we're purchasing is what we call value add. And even though we had teams in place, we you know we hired a, a solid property manager who could have uh, overseen it. Um, it would have it would have been a little bit more of a demand on them than we would have liked because their their property management position is more maintenance, not major renovation. 
um, on a big, you know, a big project, but they probably could have handled it. But it, we, you know, my, my partner, my partner, Mike and I, we talked about it, you and I talked about it and it was best if we were here to help kind of oversee that. And while we're here, we could look at other opportunities as well. So that was kind of the deciding factor to get us here just so we could be closer to the project while that renovation was going on and um, uh, look for other opportunities where we're out here as a stepping stone to get us where we really want to be later this year, which is going to be in Florida. Yeah. And then also, as you know, all of this was happening in the deep uh, COVID time, um, there were also lots of things um, yeah, kind of happened a little differently. So here again, we can come back to this uh, theory of the need of like readjustment and sometimes even tacking and so on. So the original plan with those eight units was like to get this done within how long time? Well, we figured, you know, we we closed on it uh, the last of June, 1st of July, and we figured by the end of the year, we should have it pretty well wrapped up. And um, between COVID, between illnesses, outside of COVID, with um, with our teams, um, you know, supply shortages, um, just a number of things that, you know, happened. We ended up didn't getting our certificate of occupancy for four months later after the first year, which is, you know, you always you always kind of plan a little bit longer, um, but we had already planned a little bit longer going to the end of the year, first part of the year, you know, January, and it took even longer than that. So, you know, we, um, you just, you, there's nothing you can do about it other than make sure everything's going the best that you can and, and adapt or adjust or tack, you know, a sailing term um, because, you know, you have to do what you have to do to get the results. And uh, we did what we had to do and we got the results. We now have our certificate. Uh, we've got those units just about filled up and we're in the next phase of the project, which um, is an important phase, uh, as important as the renovation. And and we'll be fully stabilized on this project here in the near future. So it, it's all working as it's supposed to. It just took a little bit longer. Yeah. And that's also being patient and, you know, um, yeah, it, it's such a, like I, on the sidelines, I, I just really admire all this, like, you know, backstage stuff, what's going on. I have never, ever like experienced something so big. And if I remember correct, it's also one of your biggest projects uh, so far also with real estate, right? Yeah, it um, yeah, ninety eight units, and with a major renovation, you know, collectively, uh, it's more than I did collectively over several years uh, early in my real estate career. Um, so it is a big project, um, but you know, again, um, back when I first started in the you know late nineties, um, I didn't I didn't have the team. I was I was the team, but I was also a lot younger, and I was you know, full of it and able to do it and um, didn't have a problem doing it. But you kind of, you kind of get to a point where you can't, you can't leverage anymore. You can't do any more than what you can do uh, on your own. So one of the things I've learned since, you know, uh, tapping in with Mike Wolf, Mike Fritz and everything else, how to leverage my time is to have the good teams in motion, the property managers, the insurance companies, the contractors, the legal, the title and escrow and, and everybody that's, they're your team, but they're also kind of they're your partners in this deal. And because of that, you're able to you're able to do more, you know, bigger projects, more projects. And 
you know, we're working on a few others right now because we're able to do that. We're able to leverage our time because we have great teams in place. And um, that's so important to, in order to really scale, that's one of the things um, to be able to delegate, to be able to trust, to be able to have those other people to step in and do their part so that you can focus on your thing. And I just, you know, the other day we just sat down and I needed your help with setting up a little budget for my next Estonia retreat. And with 20 minutes, you had done it. Like it was just like nothing. It's just such a talent, you know, all this stuff with numbers and like even some of the words you are saying, I have no idea what those mean, (laughs) but it's like, it's amazing how this is your talent and to see that once you really, you know, uh, find those different like um, uh, yeah possibilities to express it like it's like different channels or different uh, opportunities how you really start to like uh, shine because this is obviously one of those amazing talents you have in your abundance treasure box which you uh, pulled out and it's now not only serving us but also our you know partners and our uh, investors in the group as well all of these 98 units here like all of these people's lives actually are going to be better because there are so many things which we have now improved right yeah yeah and you know it's it's all part of the process and um i'm very gifted when it comes to that um and i don't know exactly how i ended up that way i've I've been that way as far as i can remember but i can almost see where the puzzle pieces go before the you know before you even start laying the puzzle out so it's almost like my mind is building the puzzle and um um, and I enjoy it. I really do. So it, it, it's just something that I do have a lot of fun with because to me, not only does it, does it come easy, but it, it's, it's not, you know, sometimes it's nice to have a challenge, but to, to see something and be able to make it work, uh, just effortlessly, um, uh, and to see the rewards and results and, and the pleasure and, and everything that it can bring. Um, it's just, it's very rewarding. Yeah, it, it is indeed. So it's one of the biggest bliss uh, blisses you can have, I think, in the human body that you are doing what you love, you are serving others and making a difference and then also making money with it. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, the, I, I look at it this way, the, the better off that you and I are is beneficial to all those around us because we're able to do more for others as well. So it allows us to serve at a different level because, you know, this, this is a form of service. Uh, You mentioned, you know, people being better because of the things that are happening here, because we believe my partners and I believe in, in that level of service and by providing um, the things that we do, Yes, it is good for our investors. Yes, it is good for the tenants that live here. We want a nice, safe, you know, happy community. Uh, we want uh, it to be profitable. We want we want all that. So, when you have the ability to do that with less constraints or restrictions or what have you, that just means that's another form of leverage. It allows you to go out and reach more people and do more things for more. So, um, I'm very grateful for that, and I'm looking forward to the the growth over the next two to five years. 
so that we can help as many people as we can um, before um, before I'm ready to sit back and relax a little bit because uh, that's also part of my plan. Um, I'm no spring chicken anymore, even though I act like it. And uh, one of these days, I'm just going to want to kick back, relax, and enjoy a little bit. Yeah, so in the future now, let's say someone has like around 98 units, wants to sell it. Should they turn to you or what, what's, what's lying in the future for you? With What kind of projects are you looking for? Yeah, whether it's 98 units or two units, anything to, to me, anything that makes sense, um, um, you know, I'm, happy, I'm happy to look at and evaluate. And even if it's not something for us, uh, I might know somebody because I've, I've been blessed with tapping into some pretty big circles with people that are always looking for opportunities and everybody's everybody has a different perspective on how things should look and how they work for them. You know, so what might not be perfect for me and and us and our investors and and that might be great for somebody else. So I never discount anything. If I'm not ready to move on it, I share it within those circles and normally we can find somebody that is interested in it. So um, yeah, if somebody's looking to, you know, sell something, whether it's, you know, one or 100 or, you know, whatever it might be, um, happy to take a look at it. And then, of course, uh, you know, to continue to work with um, investors who we've got a lot of working professionals that love what they do and they're really good at it. That is their passion. That is their life, you know, mission and their true calling. Uh, but they don't want their money just sitting around not doing anything for them. So they want to, they want to be able to know somebody and somebody they can, they know, like, and trust who can help them look for these opportunities and be part of these opportunities without it being a full-time job for them. And that's, that's kind of where we come in. And, and then we also have ones that are like hybrids. They want to, they want to have their fingers in the pie just a little bit, but they still, at this point, don't want to be, you know, full in like like we are. Um, but they'd like to know a little bit more about it. So those opportunities, we we provide those opportunities as well. Yeah. So thank you so much, and um, I wish you and all the projects uh, the best of luck. And may there be uh, lots of healthy, abundant, um, every possible way days and nights and weeks and you know years to come for you to blossom and share your gifts and talents with the world thank you very much and uh, hopefully uh, everybody that listens and views this will be able to get something at least one nugget out of it so they can do the same yeah so now recently you have also created um, your own podcast and also other businesses and stuff. So if people are interested to get in personal connection and contact with you or ask about, you know, um, where to move forward with their in investing projects and stuff, where can they reach you and where can they find you? Um, best and easiest would be, you know, just email Michael Ditton at yahoo.com. But you can look at me. Facebook is my most popular uh, spot and I am Michael Ditton on Facebook or um, my company, Helios uh, Capital Investments. Uh, the podcast is, um, it's a little lengthy, but it's, um, it, um, if you find me, you'll find the podcast because it really has to do with multifamily, uh, my real estate part of it. 
but make sure that even if you're not interested in real estate, you look it up because we have great people on there that aren't always real estate related, but they're doing what they love. And this is part of what we share as well. So um, uh, deal or no deal, multifamily real estate investing, uh, but it's not just real estate. Yeah, deal or no deal. and then Deal or no deal, multifamily yeah. real estate investing. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. And um, yeah, the same with our abundance in action, always more inspiration, always more tips and tools, how to activate your abundance and bring it into action. And for all of our listeners and viewers, as always, please like, share and comment. And when you are listening to our podcast on Botpin, also click that download button because that will increase the numbers. And our Abundance in Action podcast is about to get to 1,000 downloads, which like doing it organically, how we have done for the two uh, past years has been really amazing. And we are very grateful for every each one of you listening and enriching your life with all of these beautiful guests and uh, tips and tools we share here. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you and all the best until the next time. Aloha. Aloha. Thank you for listening and watching this episode with this amazing podcast guest today. And because um, it was so exciting and we were talking longer, we are actually going to divide it into two episodes. So please um, be ready when the next one will come up and enjoy um, as always. And as always, to support our podcast, one way to do it is to like, share, comment, and also go and write a review to our Facebook page. When you put in Abundance in Action podcast, it will pop up. And also you can go to iTunes and do the same. Thank you so much. Um, Have a beautiful aloha time till the next time.